here we hi hello everyone <laughs> hello everyone <laughs> in the world and hello our first guest in english i'm very happy today because for our first english episode of uh, agave lessons we have someone who is going to speak about a wonderful story not in mexico but in another uh, place with a big ancient traditional um, uh, history in alcohol. And I am going to invite to Desmond Nazareth to introduce himself. And, uh, and I'm very happy to invite you and that you accept Desmond. How are you? I'm doing good, Anna. It's a real honor for me to be invited to this conversation and to share some of the story that I have in the opposite side of the world, literally, yes. with uh, Mexican listeners and with you. Yes, so. I, I remember. Thank you. I, I remember when we, uh, we, we started to write each other about your project in India with Agave. And time ago, time ago about this idea, And now, uh, finishing 2019, you have a big story to, to tell us. <laughs> and and, and, and the right. first part of this um, interview, this talk, I would like to know more about you, Desmond. Talk about uh, yourself, please. Myself, just in general, I will give you a few details, yeah? yeah. So, I'm... Uh, an Indian by origin, but a U.S. citizen by uh, preference and, and uh, choice at this point in time. I okay. spent the first 20-odd years of my life in India growing up and then moved to the U.S. for roughly 18 years and then came back to India. And I've been here for almost 18 years again, slightly oh. more. Yes, so uh, I... Part of growing up in India involved traveling around India because my father was an installation engineer, an electrical engineer who worked with the government to build radio stations around India. Mm. So my life as a child and as an adolescent was extremely uh, interesting and varied because every couple of years we kept moving. And I'm mentioning this because it relates to the Agave story, which I'll get to in a second. Yeah, so yes. I, uh, I did study in schools around the country, nine, almost nine schools. I used to love to get transferred every couple of years because I would go from one part of the country to another where there was a different language, different culture, different food, new friends. Very exciting. Yeah. So and, you are uh, speaking, and let me ask you something. Are you speaking how many languages? Um, I unfortunately we were getting uh, transferred so so frequently that by the time I was picking up one language I had to go to another language and it was very difficult. So ultimately we ended up I ended up speaking only two languages well, English and Hindi. The other languages, maybe seven or eight of them, I am familiar with, and if I go and visit that part of the world of India, uh, I can start to pick up that language in maybe a month or so because it's familiar to my ears. Yes. So that's the, that's the, I, I enjoy that because most people 
are ignoring me when they speak their language and suddenly that i will say something which indicates i understand something <laughs> so it's quite funny and uh, so having said all that i uh, i studied pure sciences and engineering after leaving high school and okay. uh, then i got started getting interested in other topics and i was really uh, more i'm curious about arts humanities and so on as a child and as a young adult and i felt that if i just stay in engineering and science it will i will lose that connection so i decided to switch to a completely different field which is movie making so i went on luckily to movie me, making from un- yes a, a university in the us <laughs> called temple university gave me a scholarship to study uh, independent filmmaking i had just graduated from the indian institute of technology in madras with a degree in mechanical engineering and then from there i jumped right into a masters program in film and tv production <laughs> wow anyway <laughs> but all of this was on scholarship because my parents were lower middle class people and i i said if somebody is giving me a scholarship to explore all my many interests i will take all those scholarships and do that when i'm still young and i have nothing of much course. to lose so from that uh, feel I, i began to realize that uh, movie making as actually i mean independent filmmaking which includes coming up with the concept direction writing shooting editing and so on is all great fun but there's very little money available yeah. to independent filmmakers so yeah. i decided that i would leave that field and come back to it when i did not need the money anymore so <laughs> i started looking around for a new field to work in and i found this was the mid 80s i found this uh, field of computer science which was just okay. beginning to uh, emerge as as a formal discipline and uh, i f- took a test a random test with a technology bank and they found that i had the aptitude so they hired me and they were so uh, supportive at that time that they said if you want to get a masters degree in computer science please go ahead so i proceeded on another scholarship to do a masters in computer science and <laughs> combined it with my film and tv production <laughs> so wow. by the time i was hitting the late 80s i had all this under my belt and then wow. i being a very curious sort of person i used to love problem solving so whenever i i i grew up as a problem solver having lived in all these different places and constantly yes. encountering encountering this that and the other issue or problem i used to love that because it was a challenge so i bu- bumped into a problem that came to be known later in life as the year 2000 millennium bug problem in the mid 80s when i was still going to uh, doing my masters program and when i realized that this problem was there in most of the older systems in the us and around yeah. the world the older computer systems i decided to find some solutions for it so i proceeded to do that and then i suddenly realized that this was going to become a very big requirement with a very with a fixed deadline to to deal with and that is a very unusual condition in the world so we we would need tools and processes and people so i started developing tools and processes at that time in the late 80s already i started a small company which was oh. called Nazub Software yeah so a software company in Philadelphia and so it was, sorry uh, in, in that that was your first company 
that was my first company yes i okay. am i'm actually not much of a businessman i uh, i was forced into business because nobody wanted to listen to my crazy ideas so yeah <laughs> so you i decided to do, to do it myself yeah and i was getting yeah. a lot of encouragement from uh, innovation programs from the pennsylvania government and so on and so forth so i proceeded and then i realized that ultimately the big thing because people were still not interested in working in it in the early 90 like 1991 i approached all the big corporations in america the ibms and computer associates and so on all the mainframe companies and they all said ah this will be dealt with when the time comes and i kept saying the time is coming i mean it's like you've got a limited deadline and it will go exponential as we come towards the deadline if you start now it will be a peaceful thing and so i uh, decided people were going to be a big part and i came to india on a very nice global backpacking trip that i decided yeah. to take and at that time indian companies were looking to do business abroad and then i brought this problem to them and i said look i have created solutions i've created software tools processes will one of you join me and you will get an opportunity to do work all around the world in major corporations because nobody is interested in doing anything to fix this right now and the time will come when we need thousands and thousands of people so one such company which was very small joined me and, and today it's one of the global giants by the way and they got their earliest wow. business in the us through me in y2k and they became my business partners for 8 years and then i left uh, when i was done i had a front row seat on y2k i worked around the world and saw amazing things happening i mean i worked with uh, european companies doing work around the world insurance companies asian companies canadian companies i had this amazing experience <laughs> so right? let me tell you something so you were always i think so um in different landscapes in different languages but always in innovation correct that is your, that, that right. is about you and doing also challenge with uh, big problems but in uh, technology that's what right. about that's what right. what happened with alcohol <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, now we'll, uh, we'll we'll say this that we'll just transition over by saying that in the year 2000 i i decided to retire and and i decided to come back to india to spend 10 years maybe maximum uh okay do- doing five different projects that i had uh, collected some seed money for these were projects in filmmaking and so on and social service a few other things the one all very big projects that i felt i could start now with my own money and then we will see where it goes and now one of the five projects uh, uh, fell through very fast and i w- it was within the first few months of my coming back to india and living in the big city of bombay or mumbai okay. as it's called now so there okay. i while in the us i had developed an affinity for w- making cocktails with a twist so uh, my friends used to come over and say can you make this cocktail and can you make that cocktail and i would try my best if i didn't know how to do it i would refer to a book and then i had this nice collection of alcohol with me which included many tequilas and you know uh, liqueurs of course, because and so you, on so forth because you were living in, in the states i think so that's correct that's correct yeah okay. so when i reached bombay and i, I was looking to, to start these five projects one in a few months it, uh, one of them which involved salman rushdie that's a long story i won't get into it now yes <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, we'll have to sit by a fireside sometime one winter and uh, maybe over a few nights tell you the story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> At this point, we'll fix it with the alcohol thing. And uh, they said, come on. Uh, I said, I have to. I, I left my bar behind. I, I left it behind in the U.S. I was Now I have to buy all this alcohol in Bombay. So I went shopping and I could not find tequila in the stores in Bombay. In, in the <laughs> biggest course. city the biggest city in india then eventually i found one bottle of maybe it was a cuervo or something of the sort not a particularly interesting tequila because i had been used to having access to so many different kinds of tequila in the us including the 100% okay. agaves and so on and i had never really been interested in alcohol other than being a amateur mixologist an am amateur bartender for my friends so here i'm i'm coming okay. back finally from the store uh, having found this rather ordinary tequila i can't remember the brand exactly but it was ordinary and thinking why is tequila made in just one country in the world because you know i am curious about foods and drinks and so on i used to i had traveled the world in the meantime i had gone to about 35 40 countries on my y2k project and just traveling but it occurred to me to ask that question and i was just at that time recovering from a heart operation so i was homebound and uh, i had lots of time on the internet which had just begun to be become available <laughs> widely so i started looking up images of uh, mexico and the plants yes. from which tequila were made and i suddenly said hey i have seen these plants in india <laughs> as a child <laughs> this is I, i i distinctly remember seeing these plants but i could not remember where because i had traveled so much right so that's so where let me the let me know something let me know something in this moment uh, uh, what uh, yeah. uh, which year was it this was the year early 2000 2000 Meaning, uh, okay. somewhere around uh, march april of 2000 yeah april 2000, 2000. okay yeah so that's, that's when i because I, the first project had fallen through now i had a i had a hole in my plan for five projects and suddenly this thing came about that i said i've seen these plants growing in india and and how do yeah. i find them and, and so on i and I, is my memory correct so i i started doing some very basic research as you know i said i'm a problem solver and researcher kind of person mentality i'm a bit of an egghead and uh, re, you know that sort of thinking not just doing so i started researching the geoclimate of uh, agaves in mexico okay. uh, area and you know within the latitudes of say jalisco and oaxaca Okay. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I drew the I drew the latitude lines on the map and it, it passed right through central India. Fine. In uh, what what we call the Deccan Plateau here. Yeah. The Deccan Plateau. But, but, is, uh, which uh, which place of India? Uh, what is the name of this plateau? Deccan. D e c c a n. Deccan. Okay. Deccan. Yeah. Deccan. Yeah. So I looked at the soil. The the altitude the rainfall the temperatures and i found almost a perfect match on six parameters with that latitude band in mexico uh oh. where agave <laughs> grow for making tequila and mezcals <laughs> right Hi. so this was this was the big big discovery at that time and i was like wow then i i actually it's not just my childhood memory it's a, it's probably a real thing that i have seen these plants in india Of so, course. 
I I was at that time busy involved in shooting some documentary films and working on a big international feature film that connected up with China, Japan and Korea and so on but with Indian screenwriters so I I what I did was I said while I'm working on all these film projects which I have started myself anyway I will also do some background research on agave uh, because uh first I have, uh, before i go looking for these plants let me uh, and w- what i decided if i found the plant i had made a decision that i would try to experiment and see if what kind of agave spirit came from that plant <laughs> so no. is it, let me let me ask you something uh this month yeah. it was yeah, in this time when you when you wrote me an email in 2000 because I I don't remember and also I I was looking for my emails in the past and I had another email. Yeah. So uh I was in the yeah. uh, university. It's possible. it's possible in yeah you were in university you were you were also well known for being a researcher in agave. I was trying to contact all the agave people who had published books in English sure. and so on just to ask questions and say hey uh, you what do you think and so on because i am as i said a bit of an egghead at that time it was just a matter of uh, having fun of research it was never meant to be anything more than that okay uh, so i think i wrote to you and you may have written back saying oh it's interesting but you lost interest <laughs> i think <laughs> you no, had I, much I was... more much more interesting things that you were doing at that time i i have a book from you uh, from that time which talked about the cultural aspects of agave and you know a nice a almost semi mystical book where you talked about how these people who were harvesting the agave in, in the wild could yes. almost sense when the agave were ripe and the agave were whispering to them and so on and so forth it was very beautifully written and i thought it would be nice to get in touch with this lady who's uh, so much in love with agave you know <laughs> yes and i remember But, in this time uh, i it was uh, for me it was strange because i was focused in agave but always in mexico and i thought it was agave americana so i said how is going to do i was not very <laughs> sure uh, about what happened in india but yeah, um, yeah. in fact uh, there are many no many but at least five agaves uh, agave plants uh, traveling in the world after the conquest and yeah. there is not strange that agave americana is one of more uh, well distributed in the world so you are the first uh, interview about agave world and agave americana i think is the most extended also it was agave sisalana but uh, i think in the in the in, in more um how to say in more different uh, dry areas it was agave americana so we were in your story about how you were involved with agave and that's right it was and it, it was like a, a research as you said but i think right now you have a brand and i would like that you that you go in this story how how you jump but it's not <laughs> how did a, it go from jump. research into a brand how did it go from research into a brand huh? yes <laughs> yes, yes. so that i did about four years of background research and i was very confident that i would find this plant 
I don't know why, but I felt that one day I'm going to go searching for this plant in the Deccan Plateau, which is a very big area of central India. It's wow. almost, uh, almost uh, 60 million hectares that big. Yeah, huge oh. part. Uh, covering many states and uh, it's just over the hills and in the at an altitude and it's often black soils and red soils very similar to Mexico yes. because when I was reading about the Deccan Plateau it started uh, uh, it was a volcanic eruption that happened uh, was happening almost 70 million years ago seven zero and yeah. it was the time of the uh, when that particular shall i just stay a little more with this history because it's very interesting how it connects with mexico then we can go into how i built how i found the plant how i started experimenting and what i found and then why i decided to make a crazy decision to start a company <laughs> of course yes because okay. you have a, now a company but don't worry desmond because we are i you am sure that out, we are going to edit out some story you more. can edit out Yeah, you can edit out the story, but it's, it's, I feel like telling it to you because you are interested in the cultural and geological and historical aspects of things as well, right? <laughs> of course. Yeah, as yeah, an academic, also... as, as, as an egghead, like I am, a, I am a partly an egghead, you are a full egghead. <laughs> so I, I remember um, something about India said uh, some years ago, I was remembering you because... I was working with India alcohol distillation. I had never uh -huh. been in India. And I was thinking, and you said, this man, that, that was the name of this man, this one, <laughs> who, 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 who right. wanted to do that. So I was um, doing a big research uh, just in references about India. And you know that I, I publish about uh, Asia, East Asia distillation techniques. So... We, I am sure that we are going to talk more about uh, your brands, not just your brands in alcohol from agave, but your... But other uh, things that I have done, yeah. Yes, yeah, that, and that, is, that is very interesting. So uh, I, I would like to... Yeah, to, so I'll, I'll to, tell to, you to this continue. little connection, which is beautiful, which is a beautiful connection that I found a few years later, because I was thinking how interesting that Mexico... Uh, agave growing regions are directly opposite on the other side of the planet at yes. the same latitudes and have this volcanic related soil and so on and so forth. And it was just a coincidence. And I said, oh, how did the Deccan Plateau happen? And it turns out that the Deccan Plateau was already beginning to erupt as a big uh, natural eruption about 70 million years ago when the the last big extinction event happened thanks to that huge asteroid that hit part of the, what is now part of the coast of Mexico and it's called the yeah. Shishilab, Shishilab crater or something. How do you say it? Uh, uh, it's uh, that huge Yucatan. crater. Yes. Yeah, yeah, in the Yucatan <laughs> province. Yes, it, that, that was the huge uh, asteroid, 15-kilometer radius thing uh, or diameter which hit there and caused the last extinction event of all terrestrial dinosaurs, the last major in about 66 million years ago. And at that time, what happened with that collision was the Deccan Plateau started to get extra activity and there was extra activity oh. around the world. And the Deccan Plateau became much bigger and vaster and higher and so on because 
that impact on the other side. It would seem like the other side of the world, but it was actually not. Yes. Because at that time, the subcontinent of India was in the middle of the ocean and was heading towards the Asian mainland. The Himalayas had not even begun to form because we were still in the middle of the ocean. But still, okay. that impact pushed out all this lava on this side of the world too. <laughs> So the, the, I, I blame the, I blame the asteroid which hit Mexico, which took off seventy five percent of all the life on the planet for the actual. So I call it a you know a geological accident that happened then, right? Yeah. Which created the Deccan Plateau and created the perfect conditions. Then the Indian subcontinent moved up, moved up, and then latched onto the Asia. It banged into the Asian landmass and the Himalayas formed in the north and. we are now anchored we cannot go further north so we are directly opposite mexico now and the yes. perfect conditions exist on the deccan plateau you can see this if you read this history uh, it's also i mention it for fun in a small video i made where i show a drone fly through our agave distillery and how we make agave it's on you our know, website you know i i will to put in link as a link in your podcast be sure yes 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 so that's it so that's the his geologic connection with mexico and the latitude and the soil which yeah. is brilliant i love it because uh, most brand stories go back only like 50 years 100 years 200 years i i say my our brand story goes back 66 million years ago <laughs> <laughs> i love you, it you, you know, know. <laughs> you know this one and you know uh we are india uh, mesoamerican uh, andean we are from uh, ancient civilizations so that's right be, so we are speaking about plants about uh, areas and culture from many years and i think india is more than mexico but we are speaking about big cycles so of that's course right, it's good right. that you yeah. have this observation So yeah, the, have, the Mexican uh, Mexican human history goes back maybe sixteen uh, thousand years ago. That's it, right? Yeah, uh, yes. So that's but, when um, the human beings crossed over from the uh, top there, and then came down the coast and came to Mesoamerica and went all the way to Tierra del Fuego, and that was fifteen sixteen thousand years ago. Uh, and these were all the original inhabitants of the Americas, the old world. I mean, sorry, yeah, the new so, world. It was so, then. It, so the next accident, the next accident, the way I look at it, happens around 500 odd years ago when uh, ev- all these people, these Spanish people and Portuguese people in Europe, were lo- were excited about finding the sea route <laughs> to India, right? And they were, and there was a competition right. between Vasco da Gama and Columbus, Christopher Columbus, whatever his name was in Spanish, to uh, to find the sea route to India, and then the Portuguese they. they came around the coast of africa and found this route and they came to india and then yes. of course christopher columbus got lost in the americas and he encountered the original aboriginal peoples of the peoples of the americas and that yeah. and he forgot about india <laughs> so now what happens then is this that uh, the, so the portuguese and the spanish are battling it out in uh, you know for some kind of domination of the sea routes for 100 years or so before other europeans get into the action so i have done a, actually a documentary series uh, or concerning the indo portuguese history and the you know and another project looking at 500 years of what happened on the portuguese portuguese side of the european expansion story so i've done a lot of research into that and what came out of that was that 
there were people mainly these uh, religious orders that were set, setting up base in uh, the americas who were bringing plants and so on to uh, the old world from the new world and then there were many things that went from the old world to the new world and that whole process came to be known as the colombian exchange yes right? let me tell you something there is a, the, um, the historians say that is the first globalization Correct. Absolutely right. They are correct, <laughs> these historians. <laughs> so as part of that, Agave started to travel out of Mexico and come to the old world. And there were many species uh, of Agave. Most of them were decorative species because the Agave looks so pretty, so good, so nice. Some of them were the right. little ones that you find in gardens. And then, of course, the Agave, the agave Americana was the biggest of the species that to the best of my knowledge, that came as part of this expansion and went around the world. And as you say, in all the semi-dry areas, the semi-arid areas, they, they seem to take root. And one of the places they took root in is the Deccan Plateau, which was... Deccan Plateau. It was pre, yeah, the predestined for 66 million years ago, some event. Wow. We have, so a, a, we have a, a big um, connection in this world. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The and first now globalization we are, we are looking at the, that. Yeah, just before we are entering the sixth. Hello. Yes. Now. Uh, I think the the oh, universe I... is trying to tell me not to talk so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, let me know uh, about your brand. I, that is. Yes, I come I, now. Yeah, so I I'll, I'll get I'll I'll shorten the story now and tell it very succinctly. Okay. Yes, don't worry, okay, so I started, we are going to talk moved, more about this story. Sure, sure. When I moved to Goa from Bombay four years later, I had done a lot of the research. I had even written down a process based on what I had been reading about distillation, about if I found this agave, what would I do, etc. And I had yeah. a lot of samples because my family still lived in the U.S., so I used to visit every year and bring back a lot of samples of some of the best 100% agaves I could find in the U.S., I was so confident. So anyway, it, when I moved to Goa in 2004, uh, I, by, I decided this is the place that I will go from which I will go and uh, start looking for things because I'd already completed a couple of film projects that I was working on and I had the time now. So I found myself a person who was a good botanist. And by that time, I had found Howard Gentry's book. Of course, your books yeah. as well. It had a lot of references. Yeah. And I had looked through it and I decided, I think the, the species I'm looking for is Agave Americana. And I had a very clear idea of what, it, what I should find, but I'm not a botanist. So I found a very good botanist to accompany me. And I found a guy who was willing to give me his farm in which I would do experiments if we found this plant. And we, I said, let's go driving into the Deccan Plateau and we'll keep driving for a week until we find this species. Unfortunately, within the day, within two hours of leaving Goa, we found the species already. So we came yeah. back with some really, yeah, we came back with some really big samples of Agave Americana, the, the piñas. And yeah. when we were crossing the border from the state of Karnataka to the state of Goa, the customs people were saying, what is this? And we said, it's giant pineapples. <laughs> <laughs> and so they allowed us to bring it in. Otherwise, they, They may have uh, had some problems. So uh, once we brought it in, I started the process of experimenting. And I thought, let me see. I have got so many samples of wonderful agave from Mexico. And when, when I make it in an experimental way, in an experimental pot still, 
uh, if it is even 80%, if it is better than 80% of my samples, then I, I, I may think about this further. Otherwise, I just leave it and it's for fun. And the very first time yeah. I made 100% agave Americana was, it was, uh, I gave it to some people to taste and they said, it's as good, if not better than most of the samples. So I think it was more like 90%. That surprised so, me. Yeah. And so then I decided that I should do something about this. So that's how it was, the whole... It was 2004 or 2005? That was in 2004 sure. because the, the early, earliest okay. uh, sample I have of 100% agave Americana spirit made by me is from June, roughly June of 2004. Okay. So 15 years now. Yes. So <laughs> I, I proceeded then for the next four years to experiment. I used to get samples from all over the Deccan. There I found agave Americana growing in various parts of the Deccan and I... I, I, okay. I was working on, on other, some other project at that time, which was also related to film and TV. But I used to make, okay. spend a week or so every few months making these amazing, uh, you know, starting with getting the uh, pina from some part of the deck and bringing it to Goa and processing it in food processors and this and that, somehow getting the juice and fermenting it and distilling it and so on, spending up to a week on the process. And each time it was getting better and better. So by the time two thousand, yes. Sorry, it's because it, it, it takes time. It, it takes um, it's knowledge, it's cure for, for experience. So, yeah. when so, when did you produce your first tequila or your first agave from <laughs> agave spirit from India? Sorry, in, in uh, June of two thousand four. Yes, but for selling, not just for, for, oh, for tasting. selling. Yeah, so but that, that's a whole. So by the time 2007 came around and everybody, nobody knew that I was doing this with Indian agave. They thought I was planning to import from Mexico. I was doing a lot of taste testing. But so many okay. people were saying, Your stuff is so good. Uh, we would, they were, so then I said, Maybe we, I should start a company, you know? <laughs> so in 2007, Yes, you 2007, started? I decided to start a company because by that time I had found a place where there were millions of these plants growing. Wow. And? I, I had been searching around the Deccan Plateau and I finally found this treasure trove, this little agave heaven, a spot of heaven. And all of them almost were agave Americana. Yeah. So, so I there. then decided to start a company and yes. I started raising investment. And then, uh, you know, I would give people this agave to taste and say, look, I can make it. But I have only made each time five liters. Now I, <laughs> I would like to make uh, 500 liters each time. Of go course. Up by a yeah. factor of 100. But, but a small, a small micro craft distillery I want to start where the agave are growing. And so people started to invest in my company and then the market crashed and there was a delay of some time. And the other thing was I, I decided to start this company because I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to make agave based on this story in the other side of the world where we are going to be a very small company. Mexico, it is, this is Mexico's national spirit we're talking about. And of course, I had in the meantime, I had visited Mexico once in 2005, towards the end of 2005. Okay. And then once again, I visited Mexico in the end of 2007. The first time was just to wander around Oaxaca and Jalisco and, and uh, just enjoy the, you know, the, 
the scenery there, which was similar to the scenery that I found in India, and to taste yes. stuff and to see how people are growing these things, because I had read up everything. Reading up is not good enough for me, right? I wanted to see it and meet. So I took oh, a cool. wonderful Spanish-speaking girl with me from Spain. She was an old oh. friend of mine from the U.S. <laughs> and so uh, yeah, you so were name, traveling in sorry? Mexico, two thousand five and two two thousand seven. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I traveled <laughs> for about fifteen days each time. Okay, so uh, after that, you were sure that it. It is going to be your a business. You it were investing. Interesting, yeah, worth doing, worth doing. Because uh, yeah, I would tell Mexicans when they would, I would ask them some questions. They say, "Why are you asking these questions?" I would say, "Because I have some agave in India that I would like to make into agave spirit." And they would say, "That's rubbish. There's no agave outside Mexico." <laughs> <laughs> okay. I said, no, there is. There is in India. I'm telling you, not only in India, other parts of the world too. <laughs> there is a lot of, of agave. Course. <laughs> yes. So your your brand now, how many liters are you producing? Yeah. So we, we started very small. Yeah, we we are producing. It's still very very small. It's like uh, we are producing about a hundred thousand liters a year maximum at the moment. Yes. With which a is uh, which is not much. Yeah, it's like uh, about fifteen thousand cases of. Yeah. And But we make good. 100% agave, 51% agave. We make an agave uh, which has got an oak finish, which is different from the usual gold product because it has actual oak infusions, okay. which make it taste like a nice, you know, it gives it a very nice flavor. And then we also, I in the meantime, my my goal was to make good margaritas. So I. <laughs> Was looking for this yeah. orange liqueur uh, uh, that could be made in India, and nobody wanted to make good orange liqueur in India. And so, I said, I will make it myself. And so I went of looking course. for good oranges. I tried, just checked out all the different kinds of oranges that were available in India, and I found one that was quite <laughs> unique. So, so <laughs> I, I know now how you are solving problems. There is no <laughs> orange liqueur. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to search. <laughs> The oranges. <laughs> That's so, right. I even went to the National Citrus Research Institute in the center of India, yeah. where where I finally found my oranges, and uh, that's where I get the essential oils and I make an orange liqueur. And then then after that, I blend my agave spirit and orange liqueur, and I make an alcoholic margarita blend, not, where you just have to add lime or fruit juice to make different fruit-based margaritas. So I okay. have all these products, and that. I started that. Uh, I, I built this craft distillery. It took four years. It I had to build it in difficult times when the world economic crash happened in 2008, yes. 2009. And so by 2011, uh, I had uh, I was already in a position with my craft distillery ready, and I was making agave spirit at scale. And I launched my brand in Goa where I was based at that time for the first time, the Desmond G brand. It was called Desmond G, capital J-I after Desmond, just as a joke, actually, because, uh, you know, branding is an interesting thing. And a lot of my investors, they said, you should put some Mexican name on it. I said, rubbish, this is an Indian agave. Why will I put a Mexican name? <laughs> yes. You know, and they, so I yeah. said, we, we are doing, I'm doing this because it's, it's made with 
agave that have been in india for maybe anywhere from 15 generations to 30 generations yeah. during and yes. it's it has adapted to indian conditions it's got a unique flavor and sensory qualities and why will i give it a mexican name no that and is good so, yes that, this, and i said it, i, I respect i will not even call it they said you cannot call it tequila and i said i don't want to call it tequila because no, tequila no. is something owned by mexico <laughs> i want to call it indian agave <laughs> indian agave indian agave yes. spirit is the name so is this monji Or how Desmond do you say Desmond Jai? Yeah. Desmond Jai. Desmond, yeah, Desmond G. Desmond G. You know the great uh, non-violent uh, like spiritual leader who changed who helped India get independence. He was called Gandhi G. Right? Ah, Gandhi, Gandhi G. Desmond right. G. Gandhi. His name was Gandhi <laughs> and his it, the letter the J I is a sign of respect. So oh, I was respect. yeah so I was joking because all you you have all these mexican brands called don this and don that like don julio yeah. don whatever <laughs> but that don is supposed to be like the g right yeah okay so i'm going to <laughs> to, to to say for this uh, podcast that we need to talk more about <laughs> don this month <laughs> no don this month <laughs> No, no, you no, are Don Desmond. Don Desmond. Be, yeah, Don Desmond will be uh, appropriate the Spanish way, the Mexican yeah. way. But uh, or you can so, call it you can call your Don Julio Julio G. <laughs> Julio G. <laughs> so let me tell you something, media. Desmond. You are Don Desmond, and I want uh, to to say that uh, we need to talk more about Desmond G. and other liquors from india because you have been working a lot in another yeah. liquor that i am very also very interested i would like to try your uh, agave spirit in next podcast you you need to talk about this and how can i have your liquors here in europe okay R right can sure you, sure can we you, talk about it can you accept my second invitation for the 2020 year Absolutely, I accept, and uh, I will tell you about something <laughs> okay. very unique. Now, uh, we, uh, as a company, we are at the intersection of craft liquor, craft spirits, craft liquor, and heritage. Because we, are, I have discovered this national treasure of India, just as Mexico yes, has its national but, uh, treasure. We have a national treasure you, in India. Yes, yeah. but I don't want that you tell something because that is a secret. I won't say anything more. It, Now it's a big secret. Yeah, we, we keep, <laughs> it's only between you and me, Anna. <laughs> yes, and I remember when I was working with uh, India Distillation Research, and I said, "Why someone is not working in that?" So that is a big secret, will. and that is, and that is going to be our second podcast. I yes. hope to. Uh, I, I want to to taste your agave spirits here in Europe. We'll find hope, out. How, uh, we'll find out how to get you because there there is a lady who is an investor in my company. She okay. lives. She lives in Munich, and we had okay. come with. We had come in the year 2015 to uh, the Dusseldorf, uh, you know, exhibition of wines and spirits. Okay. That that's okay, when so... we first showcased. So at that time, I had taken some bottles and I left them with her, and she's in Munich. Okay. So sure. you have to find somebody who is going to Munich 
and uh, you will get a bottle of my 100% agave <laughs> <laughs> okay sure i'm going to to take this drink for uh, the first week i hope uh, of the year in the meantime uh -huh. i want to wish you the best for the 2020 and i like so much this um, this message from india and i would like to follow this conversation in two or three podcasts during the 2020 have a okay, nice day in good. india and do you want to say something a comment for the next year to yeah, our I want to first uh, listeners say to all my uh, to your mexican listeners and all your listeners to that uh, you know we we all should celebrate the cultural diversity the geologic diversity the also the yes. fact that people can make wonderful things and maybe what i will do is as a return gift to mexico i will send this unique plant from india and 25 years later years later you will have an industry there <laughs> <laughs> okay we yeah. uh, i i will see what happened <laughs> with this yeah, comment so I, but i, I wish the... you and all your listeners a, a really good uh, season and uh, holiday season and also catch up with you in the next year with the secret okay. story that anna will reveal slowly <laughs> <laughs> on this month have a nice a nice end of the year see you okay, soon okay you too anna yeah see you <laughs> bye <laughs> bye bye bye